Welcome to The Workman's Table, a podcast all about learning and understanding biblical truths with the Great Shepherd's guidance. Here's your host, Eric Carpenter. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Workman's Table. Again, I hope that this broadcast finds you well. Today's episode, we're going to focus on uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Many of you have read the New Covenant Gospels, which is, of course, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, This would, in turn, mean that you have read the account of Yahushua being glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration. So most believers are quite familiar uh, with the Mount of Transfiguration and the event that surrounds it. Uh, And it's covered in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 9, 1 through 10, book of Matthew chapter 17 1 through 8 Luke chapter 9 28 through 36 and referenced also in 2nd Peter 1 16 through 18 um, I happen to be reading uh, the b- book of uh, I think Luke and reading about that instant uh, the Mount of Transfiguration and as I was reading it I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me about what this incident means and what it was all about. Uh, I thought it was quite um, interesting what uh, he just kind of revealed to me and spoke to me. And so I want to go ahead and cover the event as each gospel covers it uh, separately. And I'll definitely actually read through each uh, version of from, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then also the, re- boy, or the excuse me, the reference in First Peter. So I'll start with uh, Mark chapter 9, and I'll read the the verses 1 through 10. And here it goes as follows. And he said to them, this is Yahushua speaking, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of Elohim present with power. Now after six days, Yahushua took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining white, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they and they were talking with Yahushua. Then Peter answered and said to Yahushua, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Yahushua themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And then you go to Matthew chapter 17, uh, and I'll read the, the verses as well. Now after six days, Yahushua took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Yahushua, Yahuwah, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make... Here, three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, 
This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Yahushua came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Yahushua only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Yahushua commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And then if you go to uh, Luke chapter 9, uh, it starts in verse 28. I'll go ahead and read uh, that account again uh, from Luke's uh, perspective. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. When they were fully awake, they saw his glory, and the two men stood with him. Then it happened, as they were parting from him, that Peter said to Yahushua, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they had entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Yahushua was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. Now that's a very uh, interesting account of Yahushua being with um, a few of his, of his disciples. It was not all of them. It was just a few of them, Peter, John, and James. Um, if you are familiar with the New Covenant, obviously Peter, John, and James were quite influential and quite involved in Yahushua's ministry after his death and resurrection and ascension to the Father. And their, their gospels, uh, their books, you know, are are essentially the corner, well, I don't want to say cornerstone, but they are the core, a part of the core of the New Covenant uh, books, you know, that Paul also wrote as well. And um, so as I was reading this account of the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, those of you that have been uh, a believer in Yahushua or, a, you know, as some would say, a Christian or been saved, as others might might say, for a long period of time, uh, you begin to listen to and understand the Holy Spirit's prompting and when he teaches you something or when he speaks to you in that still small voice. And sometimes he'll just speak to you subtly and he'll bring things to your mind and you go, wow, I never thought about it this way. I, I didn't realize what this event meant or I, I didn't quite understand this scripture. He, he begins to give you understanding that as you continue to seek him, study and pray, you know, and, and get involved in his word and share it with others, of course, as well, he begins to share various things, reveals things to you, you know, uh, or gives you just a greater understanding of stuff that you've read over and over before, but you, you know, it, it didn't mean much until later on in your life through several experiences and things that happen in your life, you go, oh, well, that's what he meant even more here than what I had used to understand. So the, <clears throat> what he revealed to me, you know, and, and if you've been a believer a, a fair amount of time, you begin to understand that 
there's a difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. And in essence, that the old covenant is a was a fleshly covenant. It dealt with the flesh, and it could actually not bring uh, forgiveness of sins through the sacrifice of bulls, goats, lambs, sheep, their blood. It was really a, a tutor. It was a tool to help uh, the Israelites. And obviously, you know, we have the luxury of looking back throughout all of history up to this point that it was a tutor or a, a teacher to uh, instruct us on how holy Yahushua is and that the only way to atone or really forgive sin is by the shedding of perfect blood. And of course, we all know as believers that none of us have uh, perfect blood. And the book of Isaiah says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So we have nothing to bring to the table, never have, never will uh, at all. And so it was Yahushua, the son of Yah, that had to fulfill that requirement. So the old covenant is basically represented as well as the new covenant, the establishment of the new covenant is represented in this event on the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, the father spoke through the cloud and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This declaration signified the establishment of the kingdom of Yahuwah through his son, Yahushua, under a new covenant that was to be established at his resurrection. In the vision that Peter James and John saw was the passing away of the old covenant and the coming establishment of the new covenant through Yahushua's ministry, his death and his resurrection. Now the old covenant, of course, is represented by Moses, which is the law. And Elijah is the prophets, okay, being present in the vision and in the midst of the cloud. They're basically the two witnesses of Yahushua. They're witnesses that pointed to Yahushua. And so Moses and Elijah speak with Yahushua concerning his coming death, okay, that he was going to endure in Jerusalem, not, you know, too long from that event occurring right there, you know, in that event. Now, since Yahushua had not yet died upon the cross to fulfill the requirement of the law, this is why he told Peter, James, and John to not speak of this vision until after he rises from the dead. The new covenant is, of course, is established through Yahushua, who is also present in the vision and in the midst of the fog. Uh, he is glorified by the Father in the midst of the cloud, as evidenced by his face shining like the sun and his clothes becoming exceedingly white. The Father commands all of us to listen to him, thus establishing a new covenant with his people and his kingdom. Again, you know, the scriptures that um, provide uh, additional support uh, Peter writes about it in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, and he says in verse 16, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Yahuwah, Yahushua Hamashiach, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from Elohim the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which he came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So there you have another witness that is established by Peter uh, as he was present at that uh, event on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, interestingly, uh, interestingly, the word transfigure uh, has a very unique uh, meaning. 
and it really means uh, to be elevated um, or to transform into something more beautiful or elevated. So obviously transfiguration means to go from one thing to another, but it's moving from, um, you know, maybe at this point he is obviously the son of man. He's in the flesh. But now he is being transfigured. He is being glorified by the Father. So he's moving from, okay, the Son of Man and, you know, in his position here on this earth. But he is transitioning to the Son of uh, Elohim, the, you know, high priest, the King of Kings, um, and being glorified by the Father. And, of course, he and the Father were one anyway. So the father was glorifying himself through his son. So he glorifies the son on the Mount of Transfiguration. And it's really a witness to his disciples. And, in, you know, if you are familiar also with New Covenant, uh, or excuse me, Old Covenant uh, practices, um, in the book of Leviticus, I believe, if I'm not uh, mistaken, that every matter that was to happen, you know, uh, say like if there was a dispute, or maybe if there was a murder, or if there was a land contract that was in dispute or something along those lines, any legal matter, so to speak. One of the things that the book of Leviticus points to is that any time they were to meet at the tabernacle and there was a dispute, you know, Yahuwah would basically be the judge. And Moses would bring that matter before Yahuwah at the tabernacle and Yahuwah would basically render a decision on a dispute or a murder trial or anything. And one of the requirements, if it, especially if it was a murder trial, uh, if someone had committed murder or it was someone was charged with committing murder, no one could be convicted on the basis of uh, a witness testimony or a single witness testimony. There had to be at least two or three witnesses present to have seen that event to convict a man of death, worthy of death. And so now we often think that a witness is strictly someone's voice or uh, an actual person. But as we are all aware, especially with technology nowadays and various um, so shows like CSI and forensics, that there are various things that can convict someone of, of uh, murder. And that is the weapon itself, someone's DNA left on the victim, you know, if the, if the perpetrator, you know, happened to get cut and dripped a little blood on the uh, victim's body, there's DNA that can be tested, you know, there's all kinds of various things that can trace a person's identity back to the, you know, who they actually are based on the evidence they leave behind. And each of those pieces of evidence would be considered a witness. And so it's not necessarily a person, it can be any object or thing that that provides proof that something existed or occurred. And Paul uh, goes in 2 Corinthians uh, the 13th chapter, verse 1, and he's writing to the Corinthians, and he, and he reiterates the point of, of having two or three witnesses for any matter to be established. And he says in 2 Corinthians 13, he says, This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So Peter, James, and John accompanied Yahushua on the Mount of Transfiguration. He becomes glorified, but in the midst of that, he becomes the chief cornerstone, of course, that the builders rejected it. And many of you that read, you know, 
the Bible, understand where that verse, uh, what that verse means. And he was glorified by the Father, and that was essentially telling the world, this is my son, listen to him. This is whom I am well pleased, of course, as he uh, told him when he was baptized by John the Baptist. Um, you know, he told the people standing nearby and witnessing this event that this is my son, listen to him. This is whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. I'm establishing my kingdom through him. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the king of kings. He is the Adonai, which is a prince ruling with authority. So uh, one interesting note, uh, other note for this is the event took place on a mountain near Bethsaida. And that's referenced in Mark 8, 22 and Luke chapter 9, verse 10. And it's in the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi. So this is not a, a very long um, podcast today. I just wanted to share, um, maybe you'd never thought about this event in this way or in this regard. And I do believe that based on reading it and just, you know, prayerfully considering, you know, how I approach scripture and it's always to be led of the Holy Spirit. As I was reading it, I believe he just said, look, this is what I meant with this situation. This was the establishment of my kingdom through my son. And I glorified him at this point in time. And it was basically the signifying of the uh, law being completed, fulfilled, and the establishment of the new covenant through my son, Yahushua. And what a wonderful thing that is. Um, we don't have any hope uh, unless he uh, rises from the dead. And then, of course, ascends to the Father and sits at his right hand to be our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. If he doesn't raise from that grave, we have no hope. And, of course, the Father knows that. And so that was his plan from the very beginning. But this moment right here in, in history, in you know, Elohim's relationship with mankind. This was the singular event besides, you know, him dying on the cross and of course raising again. But this was like an official pronouncement that this is my son, listen to him, and my kingdom is established through him. And he was therefore transfigured and glorified. Until next time, take care and remember, study to show thyself approved. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of The Workman's Table.